coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss, welcome to HTML. Researchers discover Internet Explorer zero-day vulnerability. Next up, segmented Internet Reaper Russians. And finally, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 75, recorded on February 8th, 2021. I'm your co-host Kelsey, in it for the long pun, LaBelle. With me co-host Chad, by your powers combined, I am Capture Planet, Anderson. And last, but not least, Tim, not Russian to conclusions, Helming. Welcome, you two. Hello, chums. Hello, hello. <laughs> ah chums was that a, a callback to the the great graham cluley tim i don't uh i miss the reference but sure yeah definitely <laughs> i believe graham starts his every episode of smashing security with chum chum so I, oh I think, yeah uh, okay yeah sending love to you graham if you um are listening in um for your wonderful podcast Anywho, well, how are you two doing today? Hey, I'm I'm not freezing cold, uh, and I'm not covered with hailstones, unlike um, a lot of the stuff outside. Yeah, me Is neither. Where you're? Well, dang it, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> mm. As a quick reminder, everyone, Chad is in Hawaii and rubs it in at least biweekly. I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly, if not more. I I think I, it's I, more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <sighs> I'm gonna start a little check mark for every time, and I'll I'll um repay in kind that X number of puns. Mm. I think that's a fair a fair trade off. Yeah, I'll take it. I <laughs> whatever uh, whatever I have to do to continue to enjoy um, this warmth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you store any of that vitamin D and ship it to us by chance? Yeah, it's called a tan. You'll get to see it when I'm back. <laughs> I'm just going to cry. Oh, my gosh. Let's talk about this week in security. So um, we, of course, have our two articles today. And the first one is, welcome to HTM Hell. So an Internet Explorer zero-day vulnerability has been discovered and used in recent North Korean attacks against security and vulnerability researchers. So, Chad, this isn't the first we're hearing about North Korean state-sponsored attacks. Can you dig into reports of attacks last month? And how did they go about conducting this social engineering, if you will? Yeah, so this is kind of great, um, just because I really wanted to speak about this on the podcast last month. Uh, but due to other priorities, uh, Solarance, um, it ended up falling off the docket. So now we get to chat about it. Um, so... Basically, what happened here, Lazarus Group, North Korean uh, group of hackers attributed to the DPRK, uh, created a, well, of course they are if they're in North Korea, uh, but uh, they created a really convincing website and blog uh, curating other people's research as well as Twitter accounts, then reached out to prominent security researchers asking for help on an O-Day they're working on. 
Uh, they would send them a malicious Visual Studio Code project or to a crafted um, website, their website with a Chrome exploit, and then um, pop their box and do uh, Lazarus groupy things. So uh, the reason that I wanted to talk about this on the podcast a few weeks ago, though, is because there was so much backlash against these security researchers uh, who fell for it on Twitter that they should have known better. And like, why are you running untrusted code and all this, which was just the dumbest take I had heard. Uh, the fact is we all run unsigned, unchecked code constantly on our boxes. If you're doing anything remotely development related, um, you know, did you like use request library in your Python today? Because there it is, you know, and there's like 13 to like 15 Python packages every quarter that get shown to show up malicious code in them. So uh, the takes on Twitter kind of drove me mad. Um, but uh, you know, all that said, Visual Studio does pop up with a dialogue when you import uh, projects that says that you should not trust projects with build files you don't control. Um, but we're probably all so used to just clicking OK uh, that if you use Visual Studio code, um, I do not. But I'm probably so used to clicking OK to um, pass that dialogue that uh, another random project, you know, what's the difference? Maybe this is, you know, the, the ghost of Clippy. Back to mm. new people there, Visual Basic, you know? Mm -hmm. This is this is the punishment for yeah. deprecating Clippy. <laughs> well, it okay, looks so like you're a security <laughs> researcher. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like you're trying to develop an O-Day. Um. <laughs> All right, Chad, so let's fast forward to last week. What did South Korean cybersecurity firm ENKIA report? Mm -hmm. I was just pronouncing that as Inky. But, um, you know, that's, I guess all those letters are capitals. Uh, but, anyways, um, so. So you have to yell Inky. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's all capitals. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'll spare everyone's ears um, until the next time. <laughs> There, there was some confusion around how the Chrome exploit was working when Google's tag um, first reported on it. That's, tag is their threat analysis group. Um, so, and maybe the translation was a bit dicey on the page because it was in Korean. Um, but from what I understand, it sounds like the Chrome bug um, that was used called a script, which dumped a um, file, which would then ex was able to launch something in IE, which would uh which yeah which runs the next payload um and it's kind of like that sort of daisy chaining isn't uncommon um and would explain why microsoft didn't initially respond to um inky's submission of the bug to their um bug program um because it may just be internet explorer acting as it does it, it works with a mht file which um, we can go into a little bit more later i'm sorry chad you never you never properly said inky's name Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that was a lot better. Thank well you. Well done. You're welcome. Uh, well, I'm curious then, was was the attack that Inky is referring to, was it successful or, you know, what did they discover? Yeah, so their, their blog again was, um, I had to throw it into um, Google Translate. It didn't seem to play nice, but uh, the attack wasn't successful against Inky researchers according to their reporting but it was successful uh with some other research groups according to the google tag um, blog post uh so and i know uh, i've seen some people on twitter that you know said like oh dang i fell for this so it certainly worked um on some folks 
the researchers at Inky, though, were able to intercept that MHT file that um, was the next stage of the exploit from what I was able to gather. And, and I wasn't able to find this MHT file, so I couldn't confirm everything that was on there. Um, but uh, yeah. Hmm, interesting. And just to back up to what is an MHT or MHTML file? And what did the research then glean from these different payloads? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, MHT is a bundled version of a website for viewing offline. Uh, it was a poor idea to begin with, and there's no like solid specification for it. And it's like should be avoided like the plague. You'll also see it as .eml file sometimes. Um, it's the same junky format. It's likely garbage that you should always toss out. I may be biased because of my field, but I've only ever seen an MHT file containing malicious JavaScript that then executed some PowerShell dropper. It's never good. Um, just, yeah, I, that's, and that's the case here too. Um, the researchers were able to find some, <laughs> uh, malicious code that was in that MHT file that, um, you know, popped another exploit and, uh, looked like execute some PowerShell, I believe I'd have to go back and look, but, um, yeah, it was the same, same old chain. That's what the M and the MHT, MHT file stands for, right? It's for malicious? Yeah, malicious HTML. Yeah, that's what it uh, <laughs> <laughs> Malicious hypertext. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, what's next then in terms of fixing this bug? So uh, again, you know, all hard to read here, um, uh, but it sounds like the MHT format is executing as expected, um, just being its usual dumpster fire self. Um, so I think in this case, it's what developers call a feature, not a bug. Um, but I would have to get a hold of everything and dig into it a little bit further. Because again, the, um, I was, wasn't able to fully grok this blog. But it, um, if I had to guess just from experience, um, this is just the, this format working is, um, you know, it always does. And Chad, in your opinion how bad would this have been if the attack was successful? And like you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, it sounds like it might have been. So what are the repercussions of something like this? Yeah, so for Inky, you know, um, it's probably great they didn't lose any of their valuable research. Um, so that's probably awesome. And, and just because they were a firm, you know, targeted from North Korea, that's also interesting just because of that tension between the two countries. So uh, that's uh, great. They did put a little jab in and maybe this was just the translation that like this attack was very easy to spot. So no one should fall for it um, uh, in the in the little blurb that I <laughs> was able to translate. So they, they must have been pretty proud of that. But um, I'd be curious to see what all was gleaned from other researchers that came out on Twitter and said they'd been popped. You know, um, I would hope they have some things in place to see if there was any data exfilled or something like that. But again, you know, a lot of us are working on um, some kind of dev box where we do a lot of, uh, you know, just munging all day and don't necessarily have the um, protections in place that uh, we would have for normal users, which is kind of a funny thing when you think about it. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully they had some, you know, company mandated EDR or something that uh, picked up what happened there. Every time I hear EDR in this space, I really want there to be like an EDM band made up of cybersecurity researchers, security researchers. It's like an EDR EDM band. Those those acronyms are just way too close. There has to be something there. <laughs> EDR is actually uh, um, electronic dance rap. So it's a mix of your favorite, um, both hip hop and, uh, you know, EDM genres 
into something we should all avoid. <laughs> Chad, I'd like to hear um, an example. It's either uh, something we should all avoid or it's the future or it's both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess in a way, actually, you know, taking that definition um, and certainly don't want to avoid the weekend, but uh, the weekend would fall into the um, electronic dance and uh, rap categories, you know, depending upon um, which hits you take in record. So, wow. Wow. So there was some EDR at the Super there. Bowl. Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? Super, Super Bowl, Super EDR. Um, <laughs> there you go. Something yeah. to think about. Um, yeah. By the way, that <laughs> gif of him lost in the mirrors that is all around, that meme that's going around right now, um, that's the way I feel every time I sit down in front of my computer on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chad. I would definitely subscribe to uh, GIFs that make Chad lull. I know that's probably mm. Twitter, but I think you need to be a little bit more liberal and just sharing those with the world because they, when Chad lulls, the internet lulls. Yeah. Um, so pretty rarely. <laughs> As lulls Chad, so lulls the internet. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I'm curious, Tim, after hearing Chad's analysis here of the blog, going to our hoodie rating of zero to 10, 10 being very bad, what would you rate um, this attempted attack at? Yeah, I, um, I'm tending to think this one is a little on the lower end, but I, you know, I guess, I guess depending on, it's like so many things, right? Like the most um obscure or unlikely um or low grade vulnerability could affect a given person given their setup so who knows but i i feel like this is my gut says this is sort of in the 3 or 4 range so i'm i'm happy to be uh schooled otherwise but that's put me down for like 4 i guess four hoodies it is and chad had how does that relate to your inner hoodie score if you will <laughs> so uh you know deep down inside i really want to give this like a a one out of ten because it harkens to like the fun internet days when i was a kid and we would like purposefully try and trick each other to um compromise each other's boxes with like a group of dorks that i grew up with um so you know it, it like it makes me chuckle in that way it's like ah, oh, security people you know but then I recognize that um, there's a bunch of O'Days out there that aren't necessarily um, fully understood or or patched yet. Um, so that, you know, puts me up at like a eight out of 10. So then averaging those two, you know, uh, I'd say we're at, you know, I'd go with four, certainly. Two out of five to two reduce. Two out of five. <laughs> a hoodie reduction. It's like when you, when you cook the hoodies really long and they get really dense. <laughs> I was going to say, I can like taste the balsamic vinaigrette in my mouth now. Yeah. yeah. Fine little reduction. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. Well, thank, thank you, Chad. And let's segue into our next topic, which is segmented internet Reaper Russians. So a senior Russian official mentioned the possible disconnection of Russia from the global network. So, Tim, perhaps a good starting point is who is this Dmitry character, who is the senior Russian official, and what level of influence do they have over Russia's decision regarding 
the information superhighway. Right. So this particular, uh, Dmitry, if you reach back a bit, this name may sound familiar. That's because uh, Dmitry Medvedev used to be the president of Russia uh, before that current guy who's in there now. Uh, now uh, Medvedev is the uh, deputy chairman of Russia's Security Council. So he's a relatively connected guy. Uh, and I think it's fair to say he has maybe not as much influence as Putin himself, but still quite a lot. And uh, when it comes to Russia's internet. He's the guy who maybe you might say could turn it into the internet. Oh, did that fall flat? <laughs> it just took me way too long to unmute to laugh, but I was laughing outside on my mic. Do either of you, just out of curiosity in a remote world, because we spend most of our time right on mute, find yourself like laughing without sound because just inside, you know... <laughs> You're on mute, so no one can hear. Or is that? Am I? I find myself <laughs> crying, crying without sound more often. Oh, but uh, oh you know, God. probably some of each. <laughs> fun times, fun times. Chad's crying right now. That's why he's on mute. Um, Laughter, crying, all the above. I just, <laughs> I just typed "lol" into the chat box. I don't know if you saw. <laughs> Oh, well, Tim, what comments did he make this week regarding Russia's interest in, let's say, pangeing away from the World Wide Web, if you will? And is Russia technically capable of ensuring autonomy and segmenting basically from the Internet or to their own Internet? Yeah. So to take the second part of that question first, they probably can operate their segments of the Internet autonomously. I mean, you know, one of the hallmarks of TCPIP uh, and the various other uh, the routing protocols that grew up around it is their resilience um, and resilience specifically to having nodes or whole segments become unavailable without warning. That was kind of the premise behind the original ARPANET, right? That that you know parts of it could get wiped off the map and the other parts could still talk to each other. So it's safe to say that their packets will keep flowing now. Uh, can we predict what all the nuances of what would happen if they actually did this uh, would be? Um, like, is it certain that nowhere, uh, anywhere in Russia at all, would there be any connectivity to the rest of the world? There's no way to know that for sure. And I, I think it's fairly safe to say it would be imperfect, uh, even though it could probably be largely accomplished. Um, so now, as far as what uh, Medvedev said, um, in a certain sense, this reminded me of the posturing uh, that we saw militarily all throughout the Cold War. Basically, you know, no matter what was going on, the, the statement was, we're ready. We can do it at any time. There's no problem. You know, of course, we wouldn't just do it randomly, that kind of thing. Um, and by the way, if this whole scenario sounds sort of familiar to you, it could be because a couple of years ago, there was a bunch of news leading up to a test uh, that Russia was preparing to do, a practice disconnection. Uh, Wired Magazine ran a big story about it in uh, February of 2019, because uh, a little bit before that, Russia had passed a law that was going to require internet providers to be capable of enabling this disconnection and still provide services within Russia, not allow traffic to leak out, et cetera. Um, uh, according to its state news services, the, uh, Russia actually did conduct a test in December of 2019. Uh, you won't be surprised to hear that um, there isn't a lot of technical detail on how it went, but they said it was all peachy. <laughs> I think uh, peachy is an underused descriptor 
I, I, that's fantastic. <laughs> we'll try to work it in a little more often. Excellent. Peachy. Um, well, where does basically the senior official stand then on polling, pulling the plug, so to speak? Well, his statement is that, like Bartleby, he would prefer not to. Uh, the actual quote, and this quote sort of ties together your last question as well as this one. Uh, he said, technologically, everything is ready for this. At the legislative level, too, all decisions have been made. But once again, I emphasize this is not easy, and I would really not want it. So we all clearly know what's going to happen next. <laughs> well, then what are the consequences then, or let's say the impacts of Russia becoming fully autonomous in this way? And what, what do they have to gain from, from doing this? I think a lot would depend on how it happened. Um, I just have so many questions, as they say. There are a lot of unknowns about this. You know, uh, it would depend on how long they went offline. Um, would this be coming as a reaction to some specific triggering event, or is it something they would do proactively? Um, what happens to the non-Russian traffic that goes through Russian in infrastructure, like the giant internet exchange in Moscow, uh, you know, a big node of the global internet? Um, what uh, would be the means of enforcement if they had citizens who were able to, you know, get around the blockade? I think it's hard to predict. Um, and then as far as what Russia would gain by doing this, a certain degree of control, right? Um, they'd probably gain a certain amount of, of safety against uh, attacks from the outside, but how foolproof that would be is hard to speculate on. Um, I would never want to be the one saying, okay, we're cut off and nobody will ever be able to hack us, <laughs> right? There are a lot of unknowns to this story. Indeed, yes. I feel like we're leaving this article with a lot more questions than answers. Um, but I, I am curious. I have one final question for you, Tim, um, that might spawn more questions. A Russian nesting doll of questions, if you will. Um, but if Russia did move forward, do you imagine or predict other governments or countries would follow suit? And what type of impact are we looking at then, if that's the case? Sure. So, well, there are already some flavors of this out there, right? Uh, China has had its great firewall for years and other authoritarian countries have dabbled in, uh, in these kinds of disconnections too. And they'll all face the same kinds of challenges that I mentioned, although for smaller nations, the scope of this uh, is not as big. They probably don't have as much uh, international traffic being routed through them. So they, they don't face all of the same kinds of consequences as Russia would. But it's complex. Um, on the one hand, cutting off the free flow of information is dangerous to freedom and human rights. But, you know, as we've seen recently, on the other hand, you'd also be cutting off a lot of propaganda and hot garbage. So is that entirely bad? But overall, the uh, internet does seem to be getting more balkanized already. It's not likely to become completely segmented. Um, there was some article uh, when I was researching all this had a quote, I don't remember who it was, but somebody compared internet traffic to water, basically, in that it'll always find a gap to flow through. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. Mm, yeah, that's a great, a great metaphor, a great visual for that. Absolutely. Well, Tim, thanks for making the best of this this particular situation and providing your predictions. This will be fascinating to follow per usual. 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully there's not much to follow, right? Like, I think in general, um, we're all kind of rooting for them not to disconnect from the global <laughs> internet. It'd be nice if they stopped doing some of the things they're doing over the internet. But, uh, um, but you know, stick around, let your people have information, that kind of thing. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Only time will tell. Well, Chad, after hearing Tim lay down the information he's learned here in his predictions, what would you rate the possibility of uh, Russia sort of just booting themselves from the internet there in terms of a hoodie rating? Um, you know, very unlikely. I, I don't know. I There's a lot of the posturing in this and things that are, that are interesting. I put it like likelihood two out of 10. Um, one out of five, if we reduce those hoodies, uh, just because there's so many benefits <laughs> to, um, being connected, mostly, um, all their, uh, ransomware operations. Um, and it allows all of the, the, um, people that work on those to get their experience, you know, attacking, uh, non-sys targets. And then, um, you know, they can work for the government later. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just find it. Very unlikely. And in the case of China and other places, you know, people have found ways around censorship for um, for years and how to break through the Great Firewall. And I just I don't know. I just think that, uh, yeah, people are inventive. There's a lot of very technically smart people in Russia that will find a way around it. If they ever do it, unlikely. So what was that out of was that one out of five? Did you say two out of ten, one out of five? Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Oh, Chad, the mathematician. All right. Well, yeah. Tim, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I tend to agree. I think it's uh, the way I look at this is if they decide to actually do this and disconnect, there's probably something bigger going on that's not good. And uh, will you know, among what we'll be thinking about at that point in time, probably isn't as much like how is uh, the average Russian citizen getting their news right now? Um, so uh, I think I think if it were to occur, it would be the events around it that would be a bigger deal than the cutoff itself. But uh, I tend to agree it's not uh, it's not really likely to be a thing that's going to happen. Um, and so it's hard to assign it a rating. I'm I'm good with kind of sticking with the same thing, like. Uh, Two out of ten, or or one out of five in the new hoodie math. Is that what parents keep talking about? Is the new math they're talking about hoodies? Yes, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, you didn't know that. <laughs> Dang it! I've been out of the loop. What have I been thinking? Oh my gosh! Catch well, up. I, I know. Well, I'm I'm not ready for the new math. I guess I'm stuck. I in wasn't the ready for the old math. <laughs> math is dividing us more than ever. Pun intended. Um, well, hey, thank you two for going into depth on both of those discussions. And we're now to our segment Two Truths and a Lie, which is, of course, similar to the game Two Truths and a Lie. But rather than talking about ourselves, one of us is going to be sharing three article titles, two of which are true, one of which is a lie. And so this week, I believe who is up is Tim. And so Chad and I are going to attempt to sniff out any deception for the point system. So Tim, are you ready to share your three articles? Let's do this. All right. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, sorry. 
<laughs> no, you're, oh, you're, I should never, never forget the theme music. Uh, okay. Well, so article number one, in a joy to everyone who finds their whole premise pretentious, the Mensa website is hacked after uh, Britain's smartest folk failed to secure their passwords. Article number two, U.S. Cellular still exists, and they had a rough week. Uh, U.S. Cellular was hit by a data breach after hackers accessed CRM software. Or article number three, perhaps inspired by the Dogecoin run-up, an online betting site was DDoSed by an outfit calling itself Doge Booter. Wow, those were those were a mouthful, Tim. That was impressive, and there was quite a bit of alliteration there. In <laughs> and the I first didn't one. get all the way through it. <laughs> hmm. Well, I have wow. my, I I have a guess, but Chad, you know, if you'd like to go first, you are always free to do so. Um, I am gonna go with the one that sounded like Doge butter, because <laughs> I. Uh, I think all of these are really great and highly likely. Um, if U.S. Cellular wasn't hacked this week, it'll have it'll happen next week. And um, I really hope that the folks at Mensa um, are experiencing a uh, an attack. That'd be wonderful. So I'm going to so go with the nose butter. So your because... voting is partly on on who what you hope is true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is really how I live my life. <laughs> Um, I also agree with um, the the Doge butter, as Chad put it, article. I think that's the lie, too. That's my best guess. So that that crew, uh, actually, a small correction. They called themselves Doge Booter. Booters are DDoS for hire services. Uh, sometimes they'll call themselves stressors or, or whatnot. But uh, this this would be Doge Booter. But guess what? You are both right. That was yeah. the lie. There is no Doge Booter so far. But and I'll tell you, the terminology change starts with us, Tim. We should call them all butters. <laughs> Good point. Good point. As yeah, the uh, influencers that we are. <laughs> it's a slippery slope, guys. Yeah, well, it's because the, you know, when you get hit with a lot of traffic, your services start to melt. And, you know, um, that's as best as I got. Oh, they smell good, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, okay. We well done, is... you two. Thank you. Well, I, I agree. I happen to agree that uh, I'm I'm very <laughs> I'm sort of pleased about the Mensa one. Um, and as for U.S. Cellular, truly, like I, if you had woken me up before I was researching for this week and in the middle of the night and said U.S. Cellular, does it still exist or not? I would have been like, uh, I have no idea. Probably not. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah, I love the beginning of that article title. Just to to create some authority and social proof right off the bat. Like, yes, I have verified they still exist. And that is part of this article. <laughs> exactly. Oh, gosh. Well, hey, thank you both so much for this episode. As a heads up to our listeners, we will be taking a long weekend here coming up. So episode 76 will not be coming out next week, but the week after. So you can expect it on February 24th. We look forward to hearing from you and speaking to you then, but just remember, don't drink and click and have a wonderful week. Bye. 
And the Pregnant Paws Award goes to... (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Dogebutter himself. (laughs) (laughs) That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. 